Where has the doctor gone? Back to the beginning, I should think. Baltimore! Yes, and what do you do? I walk in eternity. What's that supposed to be? Dear Lord, how do you cope with all that ego? Mum. Is this a story, or did this really happen? Every story ever told really happened. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. My name's Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal. We're a couple of guys, uh, writers, journalists, who have been loving and writing about Doctor Who pretty much their whole lives. We've been uh, stepping into the TARDIS frequently. Yeah, yeah, and encountering... Uh, the various incarnations of the doctor and varying yeah. incarnations of ourselves it's been it's quite a journey <laughs> usually when i step into a tardis it's it's a, a uh, an american diner uh yeah it's kind of a curious coincidence then though should we talking about american diner tardises this week uh, yeah as we cover hellbent that's true However, that's the show we are going to be talking about this week uh, so let's we have other things Let's do a quick recap of how we got here. Uh, we got here very appropriately from Day of the Doctor, yes. the 50th anniversary special, and a special episode with the amazing Elisa Stern. Um, and uh, that has been doing pretty well on uh, all of our social feeds and other internet presences, right, Pete? It's been doing well everywhere. First of all, like I got to thank uh, Elisa for coming out. It was amazing. Mm. She leveled up the commentary. Incredibly well. For those who don't know, Elisa Stern is also known as Dr. Puppet, mm. uh, the brainchild of all... Well, Dr. Puppet is the brainchild of hers, and it mm. was such a compelling... She, it's, it's not active anymore, but it was an amazing YouTube series of, of great, cool videos. But she's an amazing Doctor Who fan. Um, and uh, thanks in part to her uh, amazing fan base, uh, that is now our most successful show ever. Um, again, we were, we were already on an upward turn. I don't want to, I don't want to sell ourselves short here, but Elisa did level <laughs> us up and, um, yeah, it, not only is it uh, our most successful on the socials, it's just our most successful download, most listened to episode. Uh, and I'm really glad it was cause, uh, we are, we came to day of the doctor pretty early in our run yep. uh, of all of the doctor who that we still have yet to. Uh, talk about but um it is yeah, it is the most viewed doctor who story in history mm, uh, it's true. and it is appropriately enough our most listened to podcast and it seems to be um sparking lots of conversation on tiktok that's true yes there's a there's a lot of response to your theory about regeneration Chris. <laughs> and and people, people what People were adding to it as well. So for those who didn't hear it, the theory on regeneration is that the the Doctor imprints on whoever you talk to last, uh, at least this is true in the New Who era, uh, whoever you talk to last, for example, the War Doctor talked to Clara, and then he regenerates into Chris Eccleston, uh, who likewise, like Clara, has a Northern accent, uh, Lancashire-ish accent. And, uh, you know, and that this continues throughout the right you know eccleston turns into tenant and because he's talking to a londoner picks up a london accent and so on and so forth and this this sort of basically works with every new doctor with jody's a little bit different she sort of imprints on her companions immediately after she crashes into a train full of them uh but picks up their accent and uh, in, in fact i'm indebted to the people on tiktok who mentioned that russell t davis had said something similar about the doctor imprinting on the first people he meets after he regenerates 
Right. Uh, in fact, apparently he called the Doctor an egg in that sense. They just <laughs> whoever shatters through the egg and sees the new person, like he imprints on, you know, there is mother. So mother, I, I might not have been the only one. We didn't talk about this because obviously we didn't. I didn't want to get too far into the weeds on your theory, but. Um, if you if you think about the old series, I mean, you just go like, well, English, 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 <laughs> except, but the one thing where it screws it screws it up is Davison, who he talks to Perry, right before mm-hmm. he becomes Colin Baker. Now, wait a second. Now, I thought about, oh, I was gonna, I'm gonna, you know, hit Chris with this. It's like so much for your theory, Chris. <laughs> Next time we uh, we talk, but you know what actually happens in that episode? Yes. He has all the visions. He does of everyone else before, and that's all like new footage, right? Like that. That was all like cool stuff. And the last person that he sees is the master. Yes. No, you must Wait, die, you Doctor. Die. Uh, it, it actually boosts your theory because that's why he turned into such a jerk. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I was literally going to mention that. He 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 basically is doing his best Anthony Ainley. I, I was actually preparing, until you reminded me that that's what happens in Caves of Androzani. I was thinking, no, it's it's he tried to go for an American accent, but his brain just sort of exploded. And that's why, that's why he's so <laughs> weird in the twin dilemma. Uh, you know, and, and tries to strangle Perry, or or I was thinking maybe oh, it, it, the accent comes out in his coat. Um, but no, right, yeah, but no, you are absolutely right. Thank you for saving me from that. The theory holds; it lives on. Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, frankly, we don't even need to get into classic Who because I think part of my theory is that this only happens after the Sisterhood of Khan intervenes in his Ooh, regenerations. It's so. part of that elixir, yeah. It sort of <laughs> exactly. actually changed his process. I love it. <laughs> Wow, the yeah. head in here is just exploding everywhere. It's just um, like the doctor when he regenerates. Then. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, TikTok has been great. Please follow us there. We're at Pull to Open on TikTok, uh, straight up. We're doing more and more videos all the time. We're doing our recaps there as well. Uh, the community is growing. We're at about twenty five hundred followers now, which is impressive. We've grown quite a bit even since the last time uh, we were on. Uh, last time I talked about it, which was I think the last podcast. Um, so keep them coming. We're definitely going to have a prize for our 10,000 follower. Tell your friends and, uh, yeah, watch for more. Yes, absolutely. And we, uh, we're definitely with, with a lot of our posts, we're getting like, you know, 10,000, 20,000, even 30,000 views. Um, so we're definitely punching above our weight on TikTok. It's been very interesting to see the, the discussion explode as well. People are not shy about sharing their views, sharing their version <laughs> of the theories. How about that? Uh, that said communities on the internet are brazenly <laughs> yeah. bold with their thoughts. Who knew? Um, <laughs> but we yeah. love it. We love reading it. Well, so that's keep the great it coming. thing. The Doctor Who community is just honestly is such a great community. I mean, they're, you know, they're all very passionate. They're all like super fans of the show. I admit that might be a little intimidating for some people, Mm. on the outside looking in but honestly like i i find them all to be just like great like even the people who are kind of like they're calling us out a little before about the cyberman stuff right mm. most of them are actually really nice about it and yeah. responded well to that to, to our responses as well as the response video we have which is now pinned on our profile if you want to see it it's from yeah. our special episode uh from a few months back uh yeah, anyway. yeah. We, people get very passionate about it, but it is definitely one of those fandoms where, you know, even if you've just seen a few episodes, you're you're in, you're you're on the, you're inside the TARDIS, and uh, you know, in many ways, you you know almost as much as the rest of us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. As we so, will come to discuss in this episode, the extent of Doctor Who mythology is it's sort of very broad, but it's not very deep. 
yeah, <laughs> in totally. terms of how much we know. So um, speaking of passion and uh, super fans, for those of uh, you who are super fans of this podcast, and we know you all are, um, we would love to see some more reviews on the various services you're subscribing to. So if, if you're listening on Apple in particular, uh, it would be amazing if you could go over to your podcast app and leave a rating or a review. We're not going to tell you what to write or what to put, but you know, those five-star reviews, certainly we have a special place in our hearts for them. And we'd love to read your review out on the podcast. And uh, so if you, if you guys could uh, do that, if you're compelled, if you like what you're hearing, please uh, leave us a review. If you don't like what you're hearing, um, you know, this leave has... us a review anyway. <laughs> Tell us why. This has been the Daily from the New York Times. <laughs> uh, no, like, you know, seriously, we do want to hear from you guys. Yeah. Go ahead and comment on TikTok. Send us to Twitter. Feel free to leave a review if you don't like it, but we, we hope you yeah. like it. Five-star reviews really help. Yeah, if you don't like the show, my name's Joe Rogan. And, <laughs> uh, you've been listening to my experience. Um, yes, so... We we should mention. Speaking of reviews, uh, we we are in the midst of new Doctor Who, and we're in an interesting situation mm. here, uh, where I have watched both episodes of Doctor Who Flux so far. Uh, and I have watched zero. <laughs> not that I'm not a fan, <laughs> yes. guys. I've been busy. I'm sorry. I've also been saving up because I know it's a serialized thing, and I, I I've been trying to avoid spoilers. But please, Chris, tell us what's so, going on. Not what's going on, but like the, well, the, the I, I highlights. Don't... So, well, for, for Paul to open veterans, uh, you know that in previous episodes we discussed whether the most important question about Flux, of course, is not, you know, uh, what is it going to tell us about the Doctor? Is it going to continue the timeless children scenario? Uh, you know, is it going to redeem the Chibnall reign? No, the most important question is, is it one story or is it like six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories right. uh, for our codex? For the mm-hmm. for the number, because as you know, we are going through this show through uh, through Doctor Who randomly. We are being guided by our randomizer, which is drawing on a uh, database of stories called the Codex. And uh, we we it was an open question for a while whether Flux was going to be one story or a bunch of stories. I think having seen the first two episodes without any spoilers, I can safely say that while they they bear resemblance to chapters, it's very much the same story. Oh, okay. Um, which is not the same. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about this in the show with Hell Bent, right? The the big question of is Hell Bent a standalone or is it part of a trilogy? Yeah, we we decided the former. I think with good reason, especially compared to to Flux, uh, which is Flux is much more of a Trial of Time Lord kind of kind of thing, but even more so. Like Trial of Time Lord was clearly a bunch of stories stitched together. Um, and right. and while there is, you know, the, the second episode is not a spoiler to say there are a lot of Sontarans in it, um, <laughs> but it's definitely continuing the same story, same characters show up. Um, I don't think there's enough in there to to mark it off as different. So, bottom line, this will be the 298th entry in the pull to open randomizer codex. Interesting. Okay, so I was already starting a draft of Codex 2.0 <laughs> the other way, but I haven't seen it. So, like, I'm yeah. I'm I'm trusting you on this. Now, yeah. that the new the new edition of the Codex will not be ready. I think then until Flux is complete. Yes. Yeah. So we will still be randomizing our way through all of Doctor Who so far, and I'm sure that the randomizer will make us watch every single Capaldi episode before any other Doctor is featured. Um, 
but uh, but the other thing for for interest to pull to open listeners and pull to open the podcast is uh, the pull to open actually at some point in episode two again not spoiling anything the the pull to open sign vanishes from the TARDIS mm. so the, the TARDIS becomes impossible to enter and had nothing uh, to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> someone has stolen the pull to open sign. Um, you know, luckily <laughs> this is not a permanent state of affairs. But yeah, very very briefly, I did wonder, Pete, whether we were going to have to change the name of the podcast or just you know make it a a classic Who and New Who up to this point podcast. And you know, maybe maybe there would be no more pull to open sign on the door. Wow. Um, just but. to open, not to open. <laughs> yeah. Click your fingers to open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Right? And we built up all that sweet SEO, and now they take the damn sign off the TARDIS store. <laughs> um, but you'll be yeah, relieved to know cool. that even though the sign still says pull to open, uh, Jody still pushes. Good. Yes. <laughs> it's essential that the doctor does that. Never essential. actually pulls to open. That's right. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's flux. Uh, I, I will say that I'm I'm kind of liking it. I think it's a uh, a phrase that came to mind when I was watching it was big budget slow burn. Okay, um, as in they've they've definitely pulled out a lot of stops. Visually speaking, it, it looks very nice. Uh, I think the story is growing on me. Uh, definitely felt better in in episode two than than episode one. Uh, Dan is definitely growing on me as a, as a new companion, and um, I'm I'll be very interested when you see it, Pete. How you feel about the Liverpool accents in, mm. in the show? Because they're I I know for some Americans those Liverpool accents can be a little bit impenetrable. You know, if you're yeah, more broad than the Beatles, get, it took me a little while to get used to the fam, honestly. Yeah. So. The, you know, now, now I feel pretty comfortable with it, but we'll 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 see how it goes. So slow burn, huh? Well, I, I've got to say, like, since we're doing a lot of classic Who in our podcast, I, mm. if it's like we've done Inferno, man, like you talk about yep. slow burns. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not, I, I love Inferno, but it's like um, those old episodes. I mean, think about the War Games, right? <laughs> like, mm. Some of this stuff took a while to get going, but it uh, definitely I think has newer audiences that. might might be a little more skeptical. We'll see. It has that classic series feel, and I think that that seems to be what what Chibnall was going for with this, you know, especially as he chose the the classic Sontarans mm. uh, over over the new look ones. Uh, you'll, you'll I'm definitely... here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it. This is kind of a thematic, like that even sort of began before Chibnall, I would say. This sort of retro who, which might have been fueled a bit by by fans, um, in that you know you, the, the the old Cybermen came back, and we mm. we did that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's uh actually we didn't do that one we did the 10th planet uh what am i saying but the uh then the idea that hey these classic monsters actually do work and you don't have to do a lot of modern polish to Mm. to make them still really compelling surround them with the story and the fans will come halfway i think and i think there's a whole new generation of fans now that really appreciates that because if you look at sort of even just doctor who twitter the amount of plastic who love that is there on a consistent basis is it mm. kind of surprises me sometimes that there's so much of it yeah i think they, they, it sort of helps that it's exotic right it's it's yeah. different from anything else you might see in the rest of nerd 
and yeah. uh, it has that appeal to it. You know, it's the it's the it's the London's nineteen sixty five effect. Yes, Just, that's exactly know. it. Yeah, <laughs> it but feels the only thing very. Twitch ever did that was awesome. <laughs> was that <laughs> feels very rich and meme filled uh, for for all its earnestness. Um, yeah. Cool. So, well, more to be said about Flux in in the coming weeks and months. But um, for now, let us turn to the story we're talking about today hellbent the series nine finale yeah uh which is 262 in the story number officially but 264 in our codex yeah ask us about our formula <laughs> you get a chance um, so yeah so what the randomizer's done it took us to face the raven mm-hmm. then it took us to day of the doctor straight from face the raven that's right yeah and now it's taken us to Hellbent. So it's basically showing us the trilogy. Oh, no, sorry, it didn't. It was Face the Raven, then the yeah. Idiot's Lantern. Idiot's oh, Lantern. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. A, a brief diversion to London, 1953. Then it was Day of the Doctor. And now what I think the randomizer is doing is it, it, wants, it, it can't get enough of the barn. The yeah, Doctor's the barn, barn, the the shack. So it's 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 going for all barn stories, and I fully expect that listen will be the next choice uh, because we know it loves the barn, we know it loves Capaldi, and uh, you gotta uh, you, know. you gotta wonder about that Airbnb listing for that barn, you know, like galactic <laughs> Airbnb. It's like you know spacious outdoor uh, Gallifreyan uh, rural rural dwellings, yes. lots Al of straw. Fresco. <laughs> all the story you can sleep on all the soup you can consume you know with the uh, great views of the capital uh you know see. locals will come hang around and, and watch you eat um uh, at, at your discretion um, danger but, of time war at any time but a steal at this price um <laughs> but before we get too far into it we come to that point in the show oh, damn my airbnb where... stall didn't work okay <laughs> it is time for TLDW, too long Doctor Who, or too long didn't watch, uh, in which we summarize the the plot of the story that we've just watched, and we take it in turns. And Pete Bushell is your turn this week. Well, summarize in record time. Summarize I mean, I have, well, one minute, right? That's what we do. One minute. What's what we do for New Who? Okay. Um, so let's okay, but see. I've got to like do this sight unseen. There's got to be like no tabs. I obviously yep. have not prepared anything. It's other than just sort of reading a couple of plot summaries and watching yep. the episode. So now I'm like, okay, yeah, nothing up your sleeve. Uh, YouTube viewers will note that I'm not holding up cue cards for Pete to read from. <laughs> uh, this is this is all done live and without a net. So, Pete, you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever right. be. I'm going to give you a countdown. Three two one go okay the doctor's just busted out of his confession dial and he is on gallifrey and he tells some kid that he's back and uh lots of people uh come to gather around him because it was barn where he used to be and then uh all these the soldiers come and eventually he waits everybody out the the forces of the rassalon to come and rassalon's the president and everyone turns again against rassalon and basically makes the doctor president of Gallifrey. He kicks Barusa off. Bruce, why do I keep saying Barusa? It's Barusa. <laughs> and 
they go to the Capitol and they're trying that to figure sense. out what the hybrid is, which has been the whole plot of this season. What's the hybrid? It's going to destroy the universe and time. And so the doctor goes and gets Clara out of her time screen in an instant before her death using Time Lord technology. And uh, to ostensibly because she has information on the hybrid, but he uses that to get, rescue her and tries to get away from Gallifrey with the stolen TARDIS. Uh, but this actually turns them uh, into the hybrid. Time. time, so they can't go with her. And then she goes off with me because she's at me at Childers at the end of the universe. And there's something happens there with a diner, and someone loses their memory. Clara loses it, I guess. No way, Clara doesn't lose it. The doctor loses it. Like her was going to use it. And they, everyone sort of meets and then they all go off in their respective TARDISes. <laughs> all right. You did it, you did it in one minute 30. That's the worst That's... I've ever, no, I didn't even get it, man. That was just, that was total chaos at the end. That's a D minus. Well, I feel so I, ashamed. I tell you what, Pete, it is, I do not envy you because it is a, it's a tough plot to summarize. A lot happens without really sort of seeming to happen yeah um a lot happens without sort of explanation uh motivations are weird and all sorts of over, over the place um and i have to say i did not give hellbent a very good grade when i reviewed it the first time i remember well that it came out december 5th 2015 uh, a yeah. day that will live in infamy uh, but no, not really. I, I was I was actually on book tour in Brazil when this came out, and I, I had to do the review for Magicals. I'd been reviewing the entire season, so I remember like you know waking up very early in the morning to watch it, and then filing a review immediately, and just being so disappointed, mm. having loved Heaven Sent so much that this was like we we went from the best of Moffat, where he was pared down, and it was you know just this beautiful tiny story you know strung out into billions of years very self-contained um and then and then to come back to this ultimate moffaty mess it just seemed like a slap in the face but i have to say watching it again i really kind of liked it i liked yeah. it i've made my peace with with hellbent because of this show i i really appreciate it randomizer i watching it separately I think A justifies our uh, decision to make each part of the trilogy separate, um, but it just sort of makes it like it make it's a wonderful western in in the early part of the show. We we could talk about you know all of all of yeah. the references, you know the the lack of dialogue is beautiful. It sort of feels like you're jumping into the middle of something, but that's it's not so bad because you don't feel so let down after you know the the glory of the confession dial episode. There's definitely like a lot going on here and a lot of the ingredients are very good. Um, I ultimately think though, the, the end result of this is not a fully formed thing. You know, right. it's not, it doesn't come together to use the, the, the most common criticism that I would, I would use to for something like this. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very much like, really good dialogue really good set pieces you know great actors like they brought back some of the best people from day of the doctor and then that whole saga and you know uh capaldi and and coleman are both really good together and they mm. you know they they have you know there were the, their best scenes are still back in face the raven in wrapping up clara's 
storyline, but there's still some really good stuff in this one. I thought the stuff in the diner was good, but ultimately mm. it's kind of like what you said in, when we were talking about the plot, it doesn't feel like a lot happens by the end. You're kind of yeah. there. You're just going, Oh, uh, you know, like, like at the end of the day, you're just kind of like, Oh, that, that was kind of cool. And, but you're not, yeah. it doesn't quite do what you think a finale should do, which is kind of blow you away, change things, or even like give like a big cliffhanger. And I know that's not what he was trying to do, but it's still, it's like, wow, that was kind of cool. And now I'm, you know, going to go have a drink or <laughs> yeah. watch, watch well, some sports. Cause I can't, I, there's not a lot to uh, react to. Yeah. It's, it's visually very good. I think that's what, what I came to appreciate the second time. Uh, I could see through my burning rage this time. Um, but <laughs> other, other than visually uh, and, you know, a few, a few jokes that landed better this time around and the whole, you know, the thing with Clara and the diner became more poignant where you slowly start to realize that it's the doctor who lost his memory, not Clara. Uh, you know, that's a nice twist. Feels better second time around. Other than that, it is a, an attempt to wrap up, wrap up a series of storylines in what almost feels like the least satisfying way possible for each storyline. Yeah. Uh, so we have the storyline of finding Gallifrey. Uh, which had been locked in this pocket dimension, somehow has gotten out of this pocket dimension and hidden itself at, at the end of time. Uh, how? Why? Um, we, we are deliberately pushed away from, from learning how or why. We're just like, oh yeah, you know, don't even ask. It's just the Time Lords. It's the kind of thing they do. You know, the, the Doctor sees off Rassilon with barely you know, picking up a spoon and drawing a line in the sand are his only weapons, which is, mm-hmm. I get it. It's wonderfully doctorish. It's sort of reminiscent of the Pandorica opens, you know, with the, the, the doctor, uh, standing on the, on the stone at Stonehenge with, you know, calling it all the alien races, you know, come on, who wants to have a crack at me first? It's very, very, very good very from, from that respect. It's very moffity that sort of standoff, you know, one man facing off against the whole of Gallifrey. But, there are so many unanswered questions. Oh God. Um, where to start? Where to start? Um, you know, and why does the doctor suddenly having seen off Rassilon just suddenly become Lord president, which is <laughs> a role that he has resisted repeatedly in the past. It's almost like Moffat wanted to follow the formula of the previous season, right? Which we've seen with dark water, death and heaven. The doctor becomes president of earth uh, you know, how can you top that? Well, the doctor becomes Lord President of Gallifrey, you know, after having found it after four and a half billion years locked in a confession tile. Uh, right. Yeah. And then, honestly, they've, they've, this is also a place where they've, they've had process before, you know, like there was in the invasion of time mm. and there was like a good chunk of the first couple of episodes they spend like, how he gets the presidency and it's all this sort of nomination stuff. And I guess we're just throwing that away, which is like, it's mm. fine to do, I guess, but it's also not fine in a way because it's like, there's so much, you know, basically Moffat essentially picks and chooses like what he wants to um, key in on. And he makes these weird decisions like cloisters in the capital and the cloister rates, which I'll admit cloisters in the capital does make a bit more sense than cloisters in the TARDIS. Yeah, but it's like 
why is what's this obsession with cloisters and bells <laughs> I, I, guess, I love that actually i love that, that we now have an explanation for why the cloister bell is a thing in the tardis that is tied into yeah. the matrix and its warning of, of bad stuff has been seen by the algorithms in the matrix um that's kind of cool I, I love any time doctor who kind of builds off his own mythology like that you know the cloister bell has been around since logopolis but was right. never explained and here in Hellbent, we finally get an explanation. I'm here for that sort of thing. What I'm not here for is, for example, the hint that the Doctor is half human. Oh, you didn't like that? I actually kind of liked that because it was, it, it, I liked it because it was a clever wink to the TV movie without yeah. fully indulging that point of view. Yes. Um, but yeah. if you're going to, it, it just, it was one wink too many. It was the wink that, that broke the camel's back because there's so much winking. And the ultimate in winking is not even figuring out who the hybrid really is. It is left ambiguous. Is it yeah. me? Uh, is it is it the Doctor? Uh, is it me and Clara? Is it the Doctor and Clara? Is that, you know, how we're told several times that saving, saving Clara from the time stream, pulling her out before a moment of death, will destroy the universe somehow, or the Time Lords will be on her tail, or both? Uh, the right. Time Lords should be on her tail now because she hasn't lost her memory, which is why the Doctor was trying to erase himself from her memory so that the Time Lords couldn't track. It's just everything keeps shifting. The stakes keep shifting. I'm thoroughly confused at all moments as to what is happening, who's who's doing it, why, why does it matter, and why are, you, why are you continually walking right up to the line, Stephen Moffat, of giving us more details about the Doctor, like, did he have a human parent? Uh, and then the doctor says, right. does, does it matter? And as the audience were like, yes, it matters. <laughs> Tell us. Like, yeah, this Goodness is sake. the guy who wrote an episode, the name of the doctor and, and never gave it. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, um, I, I think what you said there is very apt, which are very accurate, which is to say that the stakes keep changing and you're, you're told this matters at various points. And this is the point of things. And then, it's completely forgotten about it's, it, it, almost like into the next scene. Uh, mm. So much is made about the time Lords and their power and their authority. And at the end of the episode, they're made to be chumps. And by, by the end of the episode, they're made to be chumps. And, you know, the people uh, that, that, that they are, that, that they're supposedly, they care about and want to see punished or trapped or at least recaptured are still free. And so they don't care now. You know, like like the, the yeah. lords just have no stake in where Clara is, or where the Doctor is, or even what the hybrid was. Don't they care? Wasn't this whole confession dial thing about getting definitive answers on the hybrid and stopping it? Um, so, yeah, it's it's, and you're just kind of like, okay, well, I guess and, and I was then, supposed to care about the Doctor's journey there, and that was fun, I guess. And then we should talk about the diner thing because just to make things even more complicated, the diner resembles the diner that the doctor was in with amy and rory and river at the beginning of season six right uh, it is apparently the same diner uh but it, it's also clara and me's tardis so is does that mean that the diner in in uh impossible astronaut was was also the tardis or they just made it look like and how does clara know what that diner looks like and you know it just brings yeah. up way more questions when what we need are questions being answered. Yeah, it's and it's kind of just a dumb thing. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's. I feel like the production reason is they had the set, 
And so it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we could just rebuild that set and we'd save some mm -hmm. money. And then it's Stephen Moffat introduces the idea, like with just with the line, oh, now our chameleon circuits suck, which is like, oh, haha. -ha. Again, that to me, that yeah. was a wink too far. But yep. um, to say that we're an American diner, which which seems to me to at least strongly imply that the diner for like in in the Impossible Astronaut is the same one. But then what does that mean? You know, like was Clara there and me there? And does mm. that uh how does that even enhance that story in any way? Like, you know, like I it's like it's just this sort of random thing that they put in that they hope people will think is clever, but it's really just an excuse to reuse the set and mm. I get an Amy and Rory reference in there. And it's like, eh, if you're not you're not gonna have any payoff there or any anything that makes sense, I I'd, I'd prefer you just didn't. It it does rather feel like one of those stories where it's just everything was built around what would look cool. Yeah. So the doctor walking into a diner with a guitar slung over his back like he's a cowboy, you know, that that works as an image. The doctor being on Gallifrey, you know, just sort of nodding to the woman in the barn who may or may not be his mother, and they don't actually share any dialogue. It looks cool. You know, it doesn't necessarily work in you know furthering the plot but it looks cool it feels yeah. cool and there the, are great the, moments i don't want to yeah. you know give the impression i didn't enjoy at least these elements of the episode i did uh especially the diner stuff the actual diner dialogue between he and claire mm -hmm. was really good this is like moffat at his best right like he's really easy way between the two actors number one and also like moffat very cleverly like throwing in lines like oh from time to time Mm. Uh, when when uh, Claire asks him about uh, if he, I forget what he asked. Yeah, so actually, like, what he plays or something. But it was funny. Um, yeah, she Space said, oh, Glasgow. That was a good yeah, line. That was my favorite. Um, so that all really works. And I, I, I actually found myself a little more into the diner stuff throughout mm. Mm. because what I was invested in there as a, as a fan is like, you know, the the big mislead, of course, is is this really clara or is it like a splinter version of clara you know from from the matt smith era where you, she gets split across his time stream because mm. that you know when clara dies two episodes before the season finale you kind of think well if they're going to bring her back what are ways they could bring her back and one mm. is that well technically she's exists throughout his time stream so you could like have capaldi or whoever encounter her a bunch of times uh, yeah, he doesn't need to go in the extraction chamber and and pull her out. Right. It just, oh, I I get that. You know, he just wanted to get from point A to B to C to D, and he kind of hit all his marks. But the the result was an unsatisfying story, and one in which uh, th this was what I really dinged it for in my original review. The doctor uses a gun uh, on a yes. time lord. He he basically. There's I mean, he, yes basically kills a guy and i believe this is the only time this has happened in, in doctor who history pete correct me if i'm wrong a guy yes <laughs> <You> <laughs> cyberman <laughs> those are guys former guys yeah. um yes former guys and girls in the I, I someone out there let me know but i, I think this is really the only time the doctor actually straight up shoots somebody this is it. And it, it feels like that was shoehorned in there in order to show, and, and I'm glad that we did see canonically that, you know, a, a white male Time Lord can turn into a black female Time Lord. I think that sure. was important to see. And it was God gave us a lovely line about how it's regenerations, the man flu, 
and dear god how do you cope with all that ego um you know so well, it's some also like that, there. that change just to pause on it for a second is such mm-hmm. a statement on old versus new and yes. you could say like in old who versus new who or even you know the, the values of of older tv or older even british society versus new new society i think i think that was you you could read as much into it as you want but i felt like it was it was clearly a statement but does the doctor really have to kill off you know an entire regeneration of the general it just doesn't it still didn't sit right with me i mean i know it's like he he makes the man flu joke and time lords don't die per se but we're supposed to feel it when it happens to the doctor uh exactly yeah and people the guy was on his 10th regeneration so this is basically you know tenant turning into to matt smith well actually tenant turning into tenant the (laughs) the right the crisis (laughs) meta crisis doctor um but but still you know that was treated as a big deal and it's you know if you only have twelve lives, losing you know turning from tenth to eleventh, that's that's taken some years off your life, man. Yeah. So I and here's the thing though, like I'm a little split on what Moffat's trying to do here because if he's yeah. like going trying to go all the way with Doc Dark Doctor, this is what the hybrid is, mm. and we're supposed to be disgusted by it and have some impact with you know discovering he's the hybrid and then needing to cheer on that he's being stopped. Okay. That's good. I wouldn't do that in five minutes. Mm. Like I would say like this episode would have been more effective and more lasted with us a little longer in terms of the consequences. If after Clara died in face the Raven, there was more time, more episodes of him going down into a dark path. And you really Mm. see, like this, this war doctor, in a sense, mm. emerged from that. Um, they didn't do that, and I think the reason—not not the reason they didn't, but uh, um, that choice of not doing that was actually very good, and was what makes Face the Raven awesome, as we have said mm. in that podcast, where Clara brings him back from it before it can happen, because she she's there to remind him of who he is and what yeah. it means to be a doctor, and it's a little like they do that again here. And it's like, well, didn't we just do that? And the, the idea that um, he, he descends into this dark place and comes back um, that could have been good. Right. Like that could have mm-hmm. been like, okay, like I'm feeling it. And I, I might have had more of sense like, Oh, the bringing him back and discovering the hybrid would have, would have, would have mattered. But um, they, they, they just couldn't really go all the way with it because yeah. like, if he didn't do that in quite in the time war, even like what, what, how, how could this be that, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, you, you really didn't need to go that far to do that. Right. Uh, in Hellbent. Um, but I must say that the randomizer has, has uh, part of the way that it has leavened this experience of watching Hellbent is the fact that you don't, you kind of buy it immediately when it is made clear that the doctor's a war hero. Yeah, that's true. Um, whereas if you've been watching the long way around, as it were, to use a phrase that is multiple used multiple times in this episode, um, you do it the long way around. You don't, you don't necessarily remember that the people of Gallifrey think of the, the war doctors as their hero, the man who saved Gallifrey. Um, 
but it, it does does get to you to use a phrase from Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It gets a bit needlessly messianic. Um, yeah, which uh, <laughs> you know, th- there's this whole thing about the Doctor saying to to Rassilon, "Get off my planet." Um, let's talk about Rassilon for a little bit as well, because sure. part of the problem here is that we're coming from Timothy Dalton Rassilon. I know who was just terrifying. Well, and he's a so, inspired casting. I mean, like I know it's such a casting, but it's also like, man, Timothy Dalton, bam, okay, yes, that's that's to, proud of us, man. Seriously, and I guess they couldn't get him back, hmm. uh, so they got uh, a final British actor called uh, Donald Sumter, I believe is his name, and he's yeah. he's good. I I mostly, you know, you may remember him as a maester in game of thrones you may remember him from the very first episode of black mirror where he's an advisor to the prime minister during that whole pig incident um you know that's certainly the one that's burned into my brain uh, but he definitely he's he's much more of an understated actor he doesn't have the gravitas of timothy dalton and Agreed. as as Rassilon, he's just sort of I don't know if this was a deliberate choice to sort of make him look like Rassilon had been worn out, played out, and he just didn't have his any of his charisma left, his powers. But yeah, this this is definitely not the Rassilon of old. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, like again, nothing against the actor. I think he's a certain type of actor. I just think he was miscast, right? Like I mm. think this you kind of want to see why he's in charge you know he just seems a little sad and you almost feel sorry for him with the doctor kind of like playing with him like this yeah um and he's just sort of like this old guy who's made to like go away uh and i don't know i feel like you kind of wanted someone almost like a little like alan rickman in the harry potter movies who's a little more cold a little more Mm. straight up you know forceful and evil I mean, I know that the the character in those movies is always going to going back and forth, but it's like that idea of um, someone who's just more in charge. And otherwise, this guy, I don't know, he just looked like he was this guy from Downton Abbey or something who just had wandered into Doctor Who. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they got rid of him real quick. Yeah, but I mean, wrestling stuff is good, though, I thought. Um, apart from, like, it, it, it's good, like, with him with all the soldiers and stuff, there are elements I could pick at. Like, I think that mm. the, the soldier says at one point I served with him, you know, in terms of the doctor and mm. it, it, I think that's a, not quite a retcon of the doctor's role in the time war, but I kind of feel like it's not like he was a warrior for Gallifrey per se. Like, I mean, he was, and he wasn't, I don't know. It, 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 it like he wasn't part of like the Gallifrey army. Uh, which he was just kind of off the books. He was, you know, you, you right. get to see this a little bit more in the audio dramas and uh, uh, the novels. But yeah, he he was he was mostly on on the Time Lord side, right? He wasn't one hundred percent there, but he was he he did see the Daleks as the bigger threat. And then, you know, it, uh, only at the end of the War Doctor's time does he decide that you know, oh, they're both as bad as each other. I'm going to blow them both up. Um, right, right. I guess so that makes I a little can, more sense. Yeah, I, I can the... buy that. Bit. Uh, again, and this is this is not really relevant to the story. So again, this is more fanboy criticism here. But it's mm-hmm. like the idea, like all these people sort of gather around, and they just look kind of ratty, like they are from mm-hmm. a western. And you know, you see the Capitol and sort of the buildings around the Capitol. And you know, there's there's been stuff with the invasion of time, like it's never been and clearly spelled out. 
like, what the hell is going on with Gallifrey? Like, where are the people? I guess the, the implication was always they're in these two cities, the capital and Arcadia, and Arcadia came later in the new series. But the like, there's the Shabogans, I guess, in the wilderness. I guess it, these people aren't that, but they're sort of rural Gallifreyans. I, mm. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't need everything like in a manual. Okay, I'm not asking for that. Like, but it's like, you know, a, a, an atlas of of Gallifrey. But at least to have it sort of make some sense, right? Like, give me a little bit more here on like who is who and what's what's the the striations of the society because you just kind of like otherwise it's just sort of people appear when the script needs for it and then <laughs> they kind of aren't there when it doesn't and okay I guess but you could you could write that way it's just it'd be a little more satisfying in world building to give me some broad strokes of what what all this is about. Yeah, well, we do we do learn for the first time that 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 barn is in the drylands. I think it's the right it's the name of the area. Is it really so is inspired. There are <laughs> is there <laughs> and I feel like is there like is there a drab lands, which would be like where where the death zone probably is, and it's all just quarries, yeah. you know? Like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, most of is, just quarries. Honestly, it's really not much of a tourist destination. Yeah. I say. You know, you wonder why they had to stick it away at the end of time uh, to <laughs> to hide it. It just could sort of be the shuttle to that Airbnb it. is murder, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, yeah. So, so that they're hiding at the end of time, but it's not quite the end of time because then the doctor does go to the end of time and he finds me, quote unquote. And they're right. still here. Moffat playing for the third or fourth time with the joke that when the doctor says the hybrid is me, as he says at the end of um, uh, Heaven Sent, uh, you know, the question of does he mean literally me, lowercase m, or capital me, you know, a shielder. Um, and, the, you know, yeah. uh, you, use that thing once. Do not use that like as a, as a cliffhanger three or four times because we know. Finally, you know, it's not going to be another version of the Doctor standing in the ruins of Gallifrey. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, it's nice to see me again. I, I, mm-hmm. I like Maisie Williams. I think she, sure. I like that character uh, most of the time. This time I felt like it was very cameo-esque and very mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, let's just have her back because we have her this season and there's kind of a story here. Um, she doesn't really add anything. Other than, and like, I'm not sure where she picked up learning to wear the, the TARDIS, or learning to fly a TARDIS, but I guess, you know, she lived till the end of time, so she picked yep. up everything. Uh, Finally, you know, she get right, got around to that TARDIS Type 40 manual that she'd yeah. been putting off reading. And I'll, I'll do the nerdy pick at, like, she's the only thing that survived till the end of time. I mean, there's other, like, yep. immortal stuff from everyone from the Sisterhood to... You know, all the great intelligence like beans. I mean, I guess that the great intelligence is gone, but I mean, like all these other ones, like surely somebody <laughs> else is there. Like yep. they all, they're all gone, really. Apparently, um, Maisie Williams is the last immortal standing. Yeah. Which, which is weird great, because, but we need yeah. to see the sort of the, the squid game that led up to that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. That, that, that would be an amazing season. <laughs> <laughs> wow the the round robin tournament uh, to see who survives the end of time yes. dozens uh, of doctor who immortals enter only one leaves um, oh man dude yeah. we are coming up with the best big finish seasons <laughs> in this podcast they yeah call really it course call us big finish call us um so i yeah, the other and, thing is like why does he go to the end of time i guess it's essentially because because 
that was will reactivate Clara's heartbeat because it's so far away. But wasn't Gallifrey kind of already at the end of time? Like it's never quite or close yeah. to it. You know, there's yeah. all these weird, there's all this like big concept stuff, which is cool. And it's what sci-fi is for. And I like it. But sometimes like, this is Moffat, right? Sometimes he levels it up way too much, yep. like beyond what you need. Or uh, he just kind of throws it in without really any paying any mind to like, what is this actually doing here? And what is what is what is the reason for it from a story perspective? No, it's just cool. So yeah, <laughs> I just called, jammed in a couple of cool concepts. Oh yeah, she's the last immortal, and she's sitting in the ruins of Gallifrey. And and this is the thing is that the, the whole prophecy of the hybrid has been teased for the entire season, and the hybrid will stand in the ruins of Gallifrey, and we're we're just eventually led to believe that this is a shaggy dog story where it's just, ah, they're standing in the ruins of Gallifrey because there's nothing left because it's the end of the universe. Um, Great. Interestingly, like think about it though now, right? So assuming like, you know, it's not like we need to revisit the hybrid storyline, but Hmm. okay. Now if we get into the Whitaker era where Gallifrey is in ruins Hmm. and we could maybe reinterpret that, a little bit now is is it again the doctor who's the hybrid as the timeless child who mm, now stands in the ruins of gallifrey or is it the master who brought gallifrey mm. to ruin maybe this prophecy never ended and- maybe i think on on a second viewing of hellbent my understanding as I, as i wade through the jungle of moffatiness is that we are led to believe right at the end that the hybrid was a prediction about the Doctor and Clara, and it was a prediction about what the Doctor would do right. and become in order to keep her safe. Well, that's that's the orthodox view. Yes. Yes. The, I guess there are other hybrid interpretations that there was, we're finally led to believe at the end of the episode. But by that point, so many concepts are bouncing around your head. They're like, what? what is, and are they telling us this definitively? And is it going to just change again in another five minutes? You know, it just this is the problem with you keep moving the goalposts on the yeah. story and it just ends up being this this super confusing mess. And and then, you know, <laughs> Clara reverses the polarity on the memory device, and now we're even more confused. Um, yeah. you know, again, yeah, in isolation, in isolation, great idea. Uh jammed in with all these other concepts, you know, I need to take a Tylenol. Yeah, but it, I will say that the memory losing thing was a bit clever. Mm. Um, it, it's reminiscent of those worms they used to have too. Um, and you, like Moffat sort of returns to the memory wipe thing mm. as a plot device a few times. But in this case, I feel like, again, I do like when Capaldi and Coleman are at their best, and I think they are in both this episode and in Face the Raven. Um, it, it, it alludes to some really great drama and uh, it's, you know, when, when it's suddenly apparent, the doctor's the one losing his memory, like it's, it's really mm. played well. And, you know, you get those first lines. I mean, he repeats them when he regenerates, but the whole thing about the pairs and, mm. you know, always remember to be, you know, never cruel or cowardly, all that stuff like that. That's, it's excellent. It's, 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 you know, the, his sort of side of things from, you know, Clara got her moment in Face the Raven. This is kind of his moment in that relationship. Um, but it, it's, it ends up being played out as a very good scene, at least. Yeah, the, the pairs thing, I'm I'm glad I watched this for that reason, because I, 
did not remember that he mentioned pears at all. And then I was just like, you know, watching Twice Upon a Time, re- rewatched that recently. And and he just, he doesn't give the explanation for why you should never eat pears. It's just one of the last things he says before he regenerates. Um, he's talking <laughs> well, to do, the future. They do make your chin wet. They do make, <laughs> now I remember what this whole deal was with right. pears, which I think is a little unfair. I love pears. I think everyone should eat pears. They are a little right? messy, though. They're a little, they can be a little messy, but you know this is why cutlery was invented. People, yeah. you know, use a nice slicing knife on your pears. You will not get any mess on your chin. Come on, doctor. I mean, you know about spoons. <laughs> this much is clear. Maybe, maybe a a paring knife, as it were, uh, might be just the thing for you in this situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little unfair towards pears. But I'm glad that we we got the original version of this. Uh, the statement, so I know where it comes from. Um, the thing that I'm still stuck on is why Clara? Hmm. Why is the doctor always going on about his duty of care to Clara? Right. It's not a phrase he's used about any other companion. Is it something to do with her being the impossible girl? Is it something to do with his Matt Smith regeneration having kind of a crush on her? Her having a crush on him? What is this about? It's never really explored or explained. Uh, why he would go to the ends of the universe specifically for her in a way that he wouldn't for say Amy and Rory who are just sort of time locked in Manhattan you know and I guess you know the doctor's like oh well they had a good life you know I'm not going to do anything like go to an extraction chamber to try and pull them out so I can revisit with my old friends here but for yeah, some reason Clara he's yeah what what do you think it is about Clara yeah it's uh it's I, I d- don't have fully formed thoughts here, but here's my here's <laughs> here goes. Okay, so one Doctor Who, you know, I think as as longtime super fans, you you constantly have to remind our we, we you and I and others like us have to constantly remind ourselves to try to watch this show as sort of almost a casual viewer, and to people who sort of check in and out of the show. And I think to them, and thinking about that is like companions are it, every companion is the most important companion. You know what I mean? Mm. Like all the time and comparing them. Uh, it, it's not, we do it, but it's like people don't. And like, we, we want to imagine in watching the show, the doctor sort of cares equally for any other companion he would have. And it's always sort of this, this deep sort of no. bond. They he, have. he loves all his kids equally. Yeah. And the other thing is that, um, because of the way she died and he, uh, I think it compl- really, really blames himself for mm. that. Like he brought her into this life. She really took to it, got really bold and out of control and, and too, too reckless, certainly. But I think he blames himself for all of that. So because she dies in this very definitive way, it kind of wrecks him in a little bit, like especially because she's in her prime. I mean, she's a young woman. Um, mm. She has still so much life to live and so much to, uh, to see just in an earthly life, uh, even if she if she was able to, to live it, uh, I think he really it really hurts him. And you know, like we said in that podcast, like as far as companions who have actually died, there are really not that many, right? Like I mean, right. like the last one was Adric, and uh, yeah, and so, no no one is going into the extraction chamber for Adric. I've <laughs> or, noticed. Are they? Or are they? Ah, there's there's a thing. We can pull out Matthew Waterhouse and uh, dust him <laughs> off. I mean, you know, extraction chamber, and then I guess you age him. I don't know. You have to explain some way that the, the difference. But yeah, yeah, exactly. The um, 
so so I think it's it's the combination of those two things you can kind of um figure it out. But I would say, yeah, there's certainly been a lot made of that bond even before she died. So maybe it's mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe and when you have to keep telling us that there's a bond without yeah. actually necessarily showing us, I mean, you know, they, they have pretty good chemistry as, as actors. And, you know, I like that they dialed down the, the flirty side of it when it went from Smith to Capaldi. Um, you know, I buy that they're friends, but do they have to keep shoving it in our faces? How good friends they are. Like if you have to keep saying that instead of just showing us, uh, you know, it just seems, it seems a little bit, bit of a, a plot crutch as it were that, that Moffat can keep returning to this motivation of the doctor's always trying to say he's going to try and pull her out of time he's going to you know try to run away with her and even though she doesn't have a heartbeat or any of this stuff it's because of the duty of care and, and he's going to turn into this monster because he cares about Clara so much you almost think Moffat wrote like a half dozen goodbye scenes between mm. the two of them and was like you know what I love them all I'm going to figure out a way to do every <laughs> single one because think about it, how many scenes do they have they have faced the re- well actually if you think about it, go all the way back right because if you think about um, the dark water death in heaven Yep. You know, there was that, which was sort of, you know, that, that wasn't really goodbye. Like it was, he was very conscious. Like they were, they were just kind of uh, cold and like, not just bye-bye, but I, this is not over. But then there's, there's something in the next one in uh, the Christmas episode, because that was almost her final episode. So there was a little bit of that with her deathbed, right? Uh, imagined, but it was there. And then you have faced the Raven. Beautiful. Hmm. Then you have this episode where there's there's kind of like a couple of scenes, right? There's the bit where they're in the cloisters where you don't yes. really see the dialogue, but it's like there's clearly a moment. And then there's the actual goodbye. Then there's the diner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's that one. And then we also have Twice Upon a Time, the cameo. Yes. So yes. really, I think I just listed seven. Uh, did you? Were you counting? I think. Yeah, it sounds about right. We're not even counting the, uh, you know, the death of Souffle Girl. You know, all oh my the, God, the Clara yeah. splinters. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, I did like you know so many callbacks in this in Hellbent, um, and I do yes. appreciate, uh, you know, how many got jammed in. But I like the 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 writing on the the blackboard. Run you clever boy, and remember. Yeah. Um, be a, be a doctor, which is kind of nice. And yeah. also, there was a lovely moment where Capaldi stepped to one side so that all you could see on the black words were the words boy and doctor, which, if you think about it, is a nice oh. uh, nice callback to listen. <laughs> Call back to when Clara met the, the you know, the baby doctor. Peter um, Capaldi, boy doctor. Not, boy not what doctor. you would describe him as, I think, uh, <laughs> lately. But, but yeah, yeah, a lot of nice touches like that, and the you know the spoon calling back to to robot of Sherwood, and you know um, that was that was that was so subtle. I missed it both times. Actually, like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know, I read it. I was when I was reading one of the plot summaries online. I was like, oh, of course. Uh, yeah, how did so you like seeing uh, the Sisterhood of Carnegie? Yeah, that definitely falls under the uh, the heading of Easter egg that wasn't particularly necessary. Um, I didn't mind it because it it does give that resonance with Day of the Doctor and the War mm-hmm. Doctor, and if that's kind of the point, I think it was like the Doctor's his dark side's coming out, and she sort of comes in to essentially scold him at a few times yeah. in the episode for doing that. That works. 
my my thing's how does she just walk into the high council chair because it's like yep. the president's like you're not welcome here well you do have control of the planet so if you don't want her here i think you you could make her go yeah yeah you know timothy dalton would have kicked her right out <laughs> he used uh, that glove yeah exactly maybe maybe threaten with that glove a bit more maybe don't just use it as the last thing maybe by the way don't tell your soldiers to shoot when you could just wipe out the doctor with your own glove yeah maybe just do the job yourself um yeah uh ohila is is kind of you know it's a nice it's always nice to see her I, i love that she came back from night of the doctor which we talked about last time um and uh you know she she makes a great presence here, but again, with with so much jammed into the plot, there's very little for her to do, except scold mm. and to say that she, you know, she came to watch the fireworks, right, um, right, you know, and to to be sort of slightly the comic relief, in a weird way, in a few moments, but yeah, it's, mm. it's just bizarre. I wish you, you almost want to go back and sort of just extract one of you want to go back to the extraction chamber the moment before Stephen Moffat hit print on this script um, <laughs> and and just pull him out and just make a few tweaks and then you know stick him right. back in. Um, but one of the things I think would be maybe, you know, as wonderfully atmospheric as those those cloisters are down and down in the matrix with the oh god, the, the Daleks who said exterminate me. It's, oh, it's possibly, yeah. possibly the saddest Dalek in all of Doctor Who. I got to say, that's this is one of the things that I got tired of in the Capaldi era mm. really quickly. Oh, sorry, not the, the, the Moffat era really quickly, mm. which is these gratuitous monster cameos, which yeah. are sprinkled throughout the... Mo- like, I mean, it was fine in like... Well, actually wasn't fine in, in the, the Pandora opens, but <laughs> I, I tolerated it um and then it's it's everywhere it's like every season finale and and yep. various episodes you just every time of the doctor yeah you gotta have the weeping angels at, at trends mm. for like lo- no what are the weeping angels care like you know what i mean like what is going on here uh like it's just it's just super gratuitous and he thinks it's I, I i get it he's trying to relive some of those sort of fan moments that were so rare in the original series like we mm. have like in carnival of monsters like just a brief view of a cyber head uh yes. or something like that would be like oh and you kind of like it's all one universe and this is so cool uh yeah. but it's like it, it gets really tiresome and it's just like it's clearly just done for fan service come on man and it, and it gets especially tiresome in, in in the matrix where there's one moment where clara encounters the weeping angels i believe for the first time you know unless she somehow encountered right. them on trenzalore or um, comic or something yeah, but she doesn't know not to blink, and yet she manages to avoid getting attacked by the Weeping Angels because they're, they're sort of tied up by the Matrix, but not really. And then, you know, there's one point where she turns around and, you know, a hand grasps her shoulder, and for a, a second you think, oh, Weeping Angel has got her. But no, it's a Cyberman hand, and we sort of, you know, montage sequenced our way into the next monster. Um and then it's just that sort of just takes away from the the threat of the weeping angels, right? It's just yeah. Sort of like, I mean, if oh. it's a weeping angel episode, it's a weeping angel episode. It's a do- it's like yeah. you know, this is one of the, some of the problems with, and even in some of the specific episode Moffat's done, he he doesn't do right by the monsters themselves. And like you know, mm-hmm. if, like if the angel can move that, like I guess it still has tendrils on it, so it can't move that far. I guess is the point. But 
I don't know. The Cyberman, like if he's grabbing her, like how is her arm not broken? Like, you know, like all this, it's, it's all, it's just there for show. And it's like, I'd just rather you didn't, you know, (laughs) like, just don't do it. Like if you can't do this monster justice, I don't want to see the monster. And then the end of the result of all this, the reason the doctor is going through the, into the matrix is because there's, there's a hole in the floor where, wherein he can steal some TARDISes. Well, you can just get out. And like that, that I, I did like that line. I got to say, it was really clever. Where she's distracting them, which was neat. And like mm-hmm. she says, "Oh, they'll only be they'll all be looking at me." And then mm-hmm. the TARDIS appears around her, and she's like, "You were quick." He's like, "Well, I time machine. I, I went yeah. back. You know, like it took me <laughs> like you, there might have been this whole other adventure he had that took hours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, another big finish hole just waiting to be filled. Uh, Capaldi's adventures in the Type 40 TARDIS is basically his only opportunity to do it before he picks up Clara. Um, but I do, I will say with the with the cloister, uh, the cloisters and sort of getting out of there, like this is, these, I hate these sort of things where, and Moffat does this a lot too, where he he raises the stakes and the, the, the difficulty level or talks mm-hmm. it up. He talks up the difficulty. Oh, once you're in, you'll never get out and everything is trapped. And then like the doctor finds some trap door in a, a couple, <laughs> five minutes which because he was there when he was a kid, I guess, and also found it in five minutes or whatever. Maybe mm. it took him a half hour then. But it's like, oh, come on. Like, you can't just say this is, you know, difficulty level 100 and then just pull that stuff, that Deus Ex Machina stuff. It's like, yeah. just say it's hard and there's this, you know, you don't, you, there's ways to do that without writing yourself into a corner and then people kind of rolling their eyes. If you just had the doctor steal a TARDIS... Uh, you know, when he's when he's on the lamb from the general after the general's regenerated, um, you could have saved so many minutes in this episode, minutes that you could then put towards explaining the hybrid thing. Uh, you yeah. know, really, really defining the stakes and ramping up the tension. Instead, it feels like you know we're we're just we're on a cook store of Doctor Who monsters. You know, not spend long enough with each, perhaps at the exception of the Dalek, for it to be satisfying. Uh, let's introduce a whole new kind of monster, the cloister wraiths, which I, I find yeah. them pretty scary. Yeah, pretty scary. You know, uh, time lords with with TV screens for faces. You know, screaming as they float around. Nice, scary, nice scary monster. They were scary for what they looked like and what they're sort of implied to be. They're definitely hmm. not scary in terms of what they do because you never see them do anything. Yes. You know, like that's that's the one thing that I don't like about them, and I think for me makes all the difference for monsters which is why yeah. i i quite like cyberman stories where they actually show people being converted and converted in a permanent sort of way because that really underscores the horror of that monster and how high the stakes are when you encounter them but like mm-hmm. when you when you, you don't get the monster give the monsters a chance to actually do their monstery stuff you're yeah. kind of left either with your imagination which can be good you know, it depends on how it's written, and but here it's underwritten. It's just kind of they're there. They look scary. They need to be developed more. I'd love to see them again. I'd love to see them again. It's a classic case of a disease that we should define as Moffat monster dilution. Mm. Uh, yeah, just sort of you know, too too many monsters dilutes the scariness of the individual ones. Yeah, ultimately, uh, including... like it, here's my verdict. I think Stephen Moffat loved the relationship between the doctor and Clara more than anyone else, you know, and just really yep. <laughs> wanted to see that played up and really every aspect of it 
um, emphasized and and turned to eleven at every opportunity. And mm. some of it really works. I mean, those are two very capable actors. Uh, it plays on a very you know good relationship, the Doctor and his companion, and and trying to sort of explore that in some interesting ways. So I give mm-hmm. him some points for that, but I do say think it it was just too played out by this point. And as beautiful as some of those scenes are, it's it just gets repetitive after a while. Hmm. Or if you're going to go for it, just really go for it. Just just have the courage of your convictions to make the whole episode about that. Yeah. And don't don't give us all of these diversions with seeing Russell on off the planet and, you know, invading right. the entire Matrix, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all of these scenes that, that could have been spent on building, you know, the keen theme. If, if you really want us to buy either Doctor and Clara relationship, then then give us more scenes around that. Really emphasize the stakes around the hybrid and the end of the universe and blah, blah, blah. Uh, by the way, the, the prophecy that the hybrid will stand in the ruins of Gallifrey, you know, and then that turning out to be Gallifrey is just burning at the end of time. And therefore, the hybrid's just chilling in the ruins of Gallifrey, by the way, in an armchair, not standing. Uh, it, it, it's 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 very much like the, so the, the Shaggy Dog story of the prophecy in the Star Wars prequels, right? You refer to the prophecy uh, of the one who will bring balance to the force. And then it turns out that right. Anakin Skywalker does bring balance to the force by killing off all the Jedi. So there are only two Jedi left and two Sith left. And that's balance. Haha, we got you. You know, it's <laughs> we spent three movies and we got you. Um, it's kind of what this feels like. You know, yeah. it feels like he's just borrowing that. He was borrowing like one of the least popular Star Wars plots. It feels like the appropriate TikTok duet here is the one where everybody goes uh, and walks away from the camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like, that's the, okay. Uh, Thanks, everybody. That's a hybrid prophecy. Yeah. Going back to Game of Going back to Game of Thrones and whatever. Okay. Uh, hey, Chris. What yes. what would have happened if the evil plot succeeded? <laughs> I've I've been I've been dreading this moment. It's a regular feature of the evil plot because what is the evil plot in Hellbent? Is it? I presume it's Rassilon's. No man, it's the Doctor. It is the Doctor's. What if the Doctor so... actually just went off with Clara, consequence free, and didn't do the memory block okay. or whatever? What do you then... think? I I nothing. guess they, nothing exactly. <laughs> they have more adventures. <laughs> they they have adventures with killer pears, and the doctor finally <laughs> learns never never to eat a pear. Um, yeah, it just sort of we would been like another season. Clara would have kept on acting recklessly. The doctor would have kept on going on about his duty of care and well, since not, since she can't be killed now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess they'd explore that, but it's like then wouldn't she be even more reckless? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, and and the Doctor, you know, meanwhile, I feel like he, he's got so much PTSD going on about Clara being killed that he's he's not going to, even though she can't die, he's not going to let her out of the TARDIS without wearing a scarf and mittens, you know, and yeah. uh, make sure her coat is buttoned all the way up and, you know, wrap her in bubble wrap and be super protective and yeah, I I don't know. Okay, but what what Pete? What if the evil plot was actually Rassilon's? Okay, so Rassilon's uh, plot was to like just kill the doctor or find the you know stop the hybrid. Trap, I guess trap the doctor in a confession dial until he actually said what he knew about the hybrid. Well, that was which, the last episode, so we have to start with this yeah, episode where okay. he's already out. 
and it's like yeah. Rassilon wants to well he doesn't want to kill the doctor right away he wants to I don't know he wants, wants to get to, the doctor to heal he wants to get the doctor through all of his regenerations yeah I, I guess he, he wants the doctor on side he wants the doctor playing ball uh, and you know so, being using his fame for Rassilon's own ends I guess so what if like the doctor blinks when the soldiers are about to shoot him and he goes like, all right, mm. I, I've got the information. Take me to your leader. So yeah. then, but then he doesn't have, can he, can he get Claire out of, with the extraction chamber? I don't know. I mean, this brings up a super confusing thing. I'm like, what, what was it? I mean, I, I, I think I remember heaven sent pretty well. I don't remember any sort of interrogation scene where they're asking him what's he, what he knows about the hybrid. Um, it's just he's being pursued by the the spooky ghost monster thing around the castle, right? And keeps right. dying, and then keeps being remade, and it just keeps punching through a wall. And like, it's not where was the interrogation scene in that? Yeah, anyway, that's that's the whole thing with that episode because yeah. informed by this episode, you're kind of yeah. like, oh, well, if that was the point was to get him to confess, yeah, like how did he know that? <laughs> and this is why we made them separate stories in the codex people because yeah. they they belong separately they make better sense that way um yeah i guess if, if the doctor had blinked and and you know rassilon gets him on side and then the doctor becomes the new face of rassilon's gallifrey um almost like he did with the with the monks right and mm-hmm. lie of the land right it became their their propaganda mouthpiece i guess he would end up doing the same for for Rassilon? I guess. And then starts planning his revolution. Yeah. And does Claire ever come back? I don't know. Depends. Uh, I think the whole thing the doctor wanted to have yeah. that sort of idea like, oh, she knows about the hybrid, or I could find out about her the hybrid through her, so I need to extract her. I think you could still yeah. do that with Rassilon. You know, let, let me just Rassilon. Create massive chaos in the entire Gallifreyan political system by removing the leader, removing the entire leadership, um, and I'm only going to do it so I can become president. Then use the extraction chamber. Yeah, I mean that is recklessness on a level beyond what we've seen with the Doctor in the past. Uh, certainly, when it comes to "quote unquote" my planet, if he cares about it so much, why is he thrusting it into anarchy? Why doesn't he uh, stay there, man? Why don't you marry yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> they do. I mean, I, I do. You know, again, this episode is lovely in parts. If you watch any sort of five-minute chunk of Hellbent, it's it's really cool, yeah. right? Uh, you you know the wider context, um, and and there's there's that one part where uh, me finally asks him at the end of time, you know, why do you keep returning to the Earth so much? You know, yeah. is is it this half-human theory from the TV movie that would explain it? And yeah, that sort of does need explaining, and that's nice. But again, walks away from it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the, the whole question of how, you know, it can't even give us the answer to the question of how is me surviving in this bubble at the end of time? Right. And she just says something like, beautifully. Or, you know, how did you establish that? giant reality bubble beautifully or cleverly i I forget exactly what she says but it's uh, uh, can't you just explain (laughs) one thing please come on steven give us something Uh, here yeah it's all uh 
still hand waves himself into a corner and he just yeah hand waves himself out of it is mm-hmm. what it is all right sir i would say um the final verdict in this one i'm i'm still gonna give it a dalek because it's uh it's nice and shiny and <laughs> it adds the moments that uh, i think are great and because it's uh, a send-off for jenna coleman for real yeah. i think it works it works pretty well um it's it's a good episode it's less than the sum of his parts uh i i'm going to give it a uh a self-defeating dalek who wants you to exterminate him oh yeah yeah sounds about right but it's still there and you just you can't bring yourself to do it (laughs) you can't just walk away just walk away from it man it's like with hellbent you we can't do anything about this mess let's just walk away from it pleasantly not even ask about the four knocks or whether the four knocks from listen had anything to do with the four knocks from hellbent um oh yeah that's right they, that was the end it goes the end of time and what is with Moffat in the end of time he just loves going yeah. there. and i mean you know we um, rtd with did it as well right with utopia uh that, that well, took us and, the very you end know okay i was i wasn't gonna i thought better of bringing this up but since you brought it up <laughs> i'm going to talk about it which is that 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 episode talked about that being a hundred trillion years plus in the future mm. and here i don't know if it's ever really spelled out but it's sort of implied that it's only a few billion years in the future, like which is like okay, we're humans and whatever, who cares? But mm. I kind of care. Like it's like yep. like the the far future where it's the end of the universe. I mean, that should be pretty far out there, shouldn't it? Like uh, <laughs> like should be. We should be talking trillions at least. Yeah. When is yeah. the end of the universe too? Anyway, well, it doesn't. I mean, like this is based on modern science. Science today in twenty twenty one, the universe never oh, yeah. ends, and it and it could basically go to the infinite future, and at some ungodly scale like the atoms are now the size of bigger than the current universe today you could go on and on and on but it's like mm-hmm. that's way past the point where all stars and and heat and whatever in the universe is just gone right um yeah. so i guess that's what they're talking about which is to say like there there's the final couple of embers until the final phase of of the infinite future um, yeah it's it's all entropy yeah right that's that's what's supposed to happen the big freeze the heat death of the universe uh it's going to take up to 100 trillion years and yeah it's really it's not going to be as neat as as doctor who suggests yeah but anyway watch as the randomizer now takes us to another yes. end of the universe it's time everyone okay <laughs> the randomizer has been on a streak lately of, of being rather direct about really? you know it definitely has bad mind of uh that it's almost too obvious where it's been taking us so i'm i'm honestly like we we like to talk about the randomizer and we love to give it challenges well first chris again tell us what 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 is the randomizer for our new viewers <laughs> So, uh, computers are notoriously bad at generating random numbers. Therefore, we use the services of random.org, which uh, allow you to choose a random number between two given numbers uh, by looking at atmospheric noise, atoms bouncing around the atmosphere, which seems so Doctor Who-ish that we just couldn't resist using that. And we have identified 297 discrete Doctor Who stories, not episodes, but stories throughout the entire run of the show. And uh, Pete, you have the you have the codex open. I have the codex, and I'm I'm just marking my recent uh, edits for version two is something uh, non canonical currently, oh. but we will. Uh, that's just uh, integrating flux. But we're gonna again. We that hmm. is that edition has not been published. 
Um, non official. We still stop at 297, which is Revolution of the Daleks. Um, And it is time. I think it is time to use the executor. All right. Do you you want to issue a challenge? I do. Give us something random. I want to see, like, (laughs) no connections. I want to see, like, all right, this random episode. Something. I'm going to be super. I'm going to do the opposite and just say you know super specifically it's obvious randomizer you want to take us to listen you, you love capaldi wow you love, the capaldi era, you love clara and you love the barn the doctor's barn so take us the only other episode to feature a barn watches it now takes us a, to a classic episode that i never knew featured a barn so that, yeah <laughs> but probably a a crappy barn on the edge of a quarry um all right, we're ready. You're putting all your chips on like a single number, like in roulette. This is amazing. <laughs> That's right. And I'm just like, I'm feeling lucky. Man, I don't care. <laughs> it's it's a one shot out of one hundred uh, two hundred ninety seven possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, are we, are we all ready right. with the executor? I'm ready with yeah, the executor. Count, count me down. All right, three, two, one. Two hundred twenty four. Okay, that Pretty sounds late. like someone we've already been late. 224. Oh, it is our first Smith episode. It is the God Complex. Uh, first Smith, not not counting Day of the Doctor. Oh, that's our first. Yeah, yeah. Solo Smith. First Solo, Solo Smith. Smith. Yes. The God Complex. I can't even remember the God Complex. Oh, what? the God Complex. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> I. Um, it's a surprising one. It's very um, unusual. Uh, because it's all about them going to this sort of weird hotel, a uh, retro oh, hotel where yeah. uh, Amy Rory and uh, the doctor, the, the the people there are getting stalked strangely by some weird creature that in their rooms, and it has something to do with their psychology. Uh, and the yes. whole play, they can't get out of the place. It's it's very weird, um, and it becomes this very unexpected episode. Yeah. I don't want to do throw too many spoilers out there, but uh, I remember liking this one. Interesting, yeah. As, as soon as you said the word hotel, I was like, okay, that's yeah, that identifies it in time and space for me. Very few hotel-based Doctor Who stories. Um, but yeah, cool. Matt Smith finally. Matt Smith finally for reals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I believe there are some Weeping Angel references in this. There, there, there may be. Uh, I actually don't remember. There's definitely references to some monsters, though. And anyway, we'll save it for then. But yeah. uh, tune in to us then at your local podcast app. <laughs> this is Pull to Open. It's a podcast. It's a Doctor Who podcast where we randomly go through every episode of the TV series. Uh, if you have not yet subscribed to us, please do. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Google, all the good podcast apps that you know and love. As I said at the beginning, please leave us a review. Uh, we love those five-star reviews, but we'd be happy to hear from you no matter what you want to say. Also, follow us on the socials. We're super active on TikTok. We're at Pull to Open on TikTok, all one word, obviously, and on Twitter and Instagram as well at Pull to Open 63. We're sharing a few things there as well. So please tune into us wherever we are. Drop us a line and leave a review if you can. Uh, Chris, looking forward to visiting the God Complex with you. Indeed, I'm 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 ready to check at, check in anytime I like, and I believe that I can never leave 
right. This hotel. A so. podcast that will go on forever and ever. <laughs> oh, I can't. I'm sure our listeners can't wait. Okay, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.